What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Holy Spirit, would you lead and guide us as, as, as uh, Lord, I know I have nothing of any eternal value to share. What I share might be interesting or not, but uh, Lord, when it comes to eternal things, it's, it's only you by your Holy Spirit that, it, that can impact uh, my heart and everybody else's heart here. So come Holy Spirit, and Lord, enable us to hear, enable hearts to hear. Lord, we want to be passionate for you. We want to be passionate about our lives for you. <clears throat> and Lord, I know so little about the persecution, really. But Lord, I know that we're living in times, extraordinary times. And there's a subtle creeping paralysis even entering our nation. It's causing things to happen that shouldn't be happening. Father, would you just enable us to, to have ears to hear, eyes to see, open hearts. Amen. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> very conscious of what Evangeline shared about the persecuted church and uh, what my shared, you know, all these things are, we're not unaffected by them in Ireland. You know, this is, this is a culture that, uh, and the church, uh, in, a, in a short few years, the church is going to be the odd one out. We're going to be the, the odd ones. All of these things are going to be so acceptable. Uh, and they're creeping in under the umbrella, under the banner of, of freedom and equality and liberty. And, and we know that that's all nonsense, uh, it, it, it's, uh, you know, sin is, is multiplying at an enormous rate. And our small nation, you know, the most recent thing that, uh, that our, our, some of our, our elected representatives in the Dáil are pushing, uh, they want to put an Israeli flag over the president's uh, accommodation for the next month. I don't know whether we're having some Israeli visitors. Sorry, they want to put a Palestinian flag Palestinian flag over the over the the premises. I don't know whether we have uh, some dignitaries coming from from Israel or whatever in recent times, but they want to put there for a month to support uh, to support the Palestinian. And they have no clue what they're doing. There's a small group of people, uh, and it always seems to be the case: a minority of people who seems to have the ear of the media and the people that matter and get these things pushed into our lives. So the church. Uh, is, is going to be seriously, you and I are going to be seriously challenged over the next few years. And if you're not passionate about your faith, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you haven't experienced his love in your life, if, you're, if your faith is not real, you're not going to be able to survive. I don't mean to depress you now, but we, we have to talk about these things sometime. You know, it's wonderful to 
you know, thank God for the good news. And, you know, I'm so encouraged by what John said this morning uh, in relation to the, the bit of, the bit of uh, stuff you read, John, in relation to um, loving Jesus. I'm a very content man, and I'm encouraged by hearing that. If you love Jesus, then that's a measure of your behavior. I love that. <clears throat> I never believed that my, my behavior affected God's love for me in any way. He'd love me one minute, he'd hit me the next if that was the case. <laughs> That'd be his life. <clears throat> anyway, I, I was just, um, last night I was looking at some, something on YouTube. Um, persecution. It's relevant, isn't it? Yeah. It's relevant. Uh, I don't know whether this man was in Turkey or, or where he was, but uh, for sharing the gospel, he was thrown into prison to be put on trial. And he spent 11 years, 11 years in a prison cell being mistreated before his trial. They're not in any hurry to try people. 11 years before his trial. And finally, the day for his trial came up. And they took him into court. And in a couple of hours, they de the judge decided after hearing his case that he was to hang for sharing the gospel. And in the, whatever country it was, uh, apparently the judge can actually undo what he's just done. Just like that. He has that kind of power. And they offer the person who has been sentenced one opportunity to write something, to try and exonerate himself, to try and change uh, the sentence. And they gave this, this is a true story. They gave this man a sheet of paper and, and, and a pen and he wrote a couple of sentences and he handed it back to the judge. And I should have written down exactly what he said. But he said something like, uh, Judge, I, I ask that God will bless you, that he will bless your family, that you would know the love of God in your life, uh, and that God would prosper you for the rest of your life. And he handed it back, and the judge read it. And the judge, he could see that the judge was completely shocked it was another friend of this man's that was in the court. And he said the judge was completely shocked. And he read this and he looked at the man. And he put down the piece of paper. And he told the man, you're free to go. Your 11 years have, have, have done it. You've served your time. Now we sing things about loving God and serving God and continuing to love God and there was a song we sang there that particularly reminded me of this this morning. You know, how, how serious are we about our faith? When push comes to shove, are we going to stay standing? Are we going to be able to stay standing? I still love the idea that the measure of my behavior is how much I love Jesus. I have no worries because I love Jesus. <laughs> Uh, and when I'm failing and I'm not doing well, I love Jesus. When I'm not getting it right, I love Jesus. When I'm, when I'm weak and, 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 and frail, and I love Jesus. So, hallelujah. I'm okay, haven't I? 
That's more or less what we're saying. And I love that, that quote. Somebody once said, love God and do whatever you want to. I know a lot of Christians would say, whoa, what do you say? Give people license. If you love God, you're going to do what God wants. Little quote, which I like. It is better to pass boldly into the next life in the fullness of passion than to fade or wither dismally with age. I love that. How passionate are you? How passionate are you about God? How passionate are you about the Christian life? How passionate are you about living for and walking with Jesus? We're living in extraordinary times. And it's possible that you and I will see, some of you will, I'm not sure, the second coming, Christ coming. We are so close to the end times. And I don't know enough about these things to really, to be able to put a foundation into into what I'm talking about. But I've sensed for a long, long time that we're coming towards the end of the age. You and I might live to see a third world war. You look at what's happening all across the world. You look at Russia and America and China uh, and Iraq and and, uh, all that's happening. We, We could very well be on the verge of a third world war. We could also be on the verge of the greatest revival that the world has ever seen. And normally, these things go hand in hand. And the persecution of the church is one of the things that almost always precedes uh, a revival. And that's happening all over the world. And and in recent years, I think that the European countries are really beginning to become hugely aggressive uh, in their atheistic view. They're not satisfied to be atheists. They're aggressive uh, in, in fighting against the Christian faith. Because the Christian faith is the only thing that will really challenge somebody. There's nominal Christianity which doesn't affect anybody and is irrelevant. And I don't mean to be disrespectful. There are very sincere people who are nominal Christians. They just they have never met Christ. They've never been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. They're genuine, sincere men and women who, who, who serve God in, in some kind of a way. But that's not going to make any difference. And our nation, our nation really, there, there is a, a creeping paralysis you know, uh, in Ireland, you know, uh, it was talked about a little bit, you know. We, we, we're the, we were the first nation to say, yeah, liberty, freedom, equality. Uh, and we redefined marriage, which was instituted by God, not by governments or by anybody else. But now we've redefined that, so marriage just really means nothing. Years ago, I stood up here uh, and spoke about uh, a number of people who had married their dog. They had married, this was a reality, they had, they, they had the priests, I'm not sure what kind of a priesthood they belonged to, but the whole thing, the one, one lady married her dog and she had 200 people at the wedding. Wow. I mean, this, this, is, this is reality. This was, this was three or four years ago. And this is what's coming, you understand? Yes. Pedophilia is 
on the increase enormously across the world. And it's, and it's, and it's people in, in positions, the highest positions in the land are involved in, in pedophilia rings. We know in our own country, violence is hugely on the increase. Domestic violence and street violence. Uh, our nation right now, um, we have the most homeless people in our nation than we've ever had. We've got the most children on the streets than we've ever had. Most of our TDs are professing atheists now. And there's, 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 there's a measurable increase in ungodliness in our nation. Now, we might not be suffering the kind of persecution that we're, that we're hearing about in Turkey and other places. Not yet. They're not throwing us in jails yet. But you try and share the gospel, and you're likely to be laughed at. And in fact, it won't be long before that will be considered offensive. And we won't have any right to share the gospel because it will be offensive to somebody. But it's amazing in this age of equality how unequal Christians are being treated. Isn't it? Interesting. It's only just begun, that's right. Okay. Do you know the slave trade? The slave trade in this age that we're living in is worse than it was in Wilberforce's day. That is, I've heard that said recently. Young children and women are being abducted and sold into the sex industry. What's the term they use these days? There's trafficking. It's called, you see, it's called trafficking. It's not called what it is. It's called trafficking. And all our terminology has been changed, so people don't really understand uh, what trafficking is. They understand what being sold into sexual slavery is. But th- that, that is the world that we're living in now. We don't understand these things. We, we don't even want to know about these things. We just want to be in our own little world and keep all that stuff away. But we have an obligation as Christians to understand these things. I know it's not the pleasantest of things, but we need to understand what's going on around us. We don't want to get discouraged by it. We don't want to get depressed by it. We don't have to. Uh, but, but it's nothing new. I want to read a little bit from, from 2 Timothy. Timothy is, is, is the last book that was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, and it was written shortly before he died. And there's always more significance given to a book, isn't there? Uh, or a letter written by somebody who's about to die. Uh, so Paul uh, wrote this very shortly before he died. The last book he, he, he's ever written. And I'm just going to read a few bits and pieces. Uh, and verse 13 of chapter 1 says, Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learn from me a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
who lives within us carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. We need to guard by the power of the Holy Spirit the word of God is in us and we need to guard the truths. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. So verse 13 and 14. Okay. Now I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And verse 22. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. Verse 22, he says, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. You know, at this day and age, a youthful lust, it's just an alternate lifestyle. You embrace it and you run with it and it's just who you are. It doesn't matter whether it's lust for a woman lusting for another woman, a man lusting after another man a man lusting after a child. All, all of that, is, this is the world that we're living in now. It's going to be offensive to use the word lust in another way. You know, there's a group now that are, I believe, are getting together to rewrite the Bible, to take out all the offenses, the stuff that would offend anybody. So words like, I'm sure the first one will be sodomy. All these things, all these words will be taken out. They're going to write their own Bible. Or they're going to rewrite the Bible. That's the kind of disrespect that the world has for the Scriptures and for God. There's no fear. There's no fear of God. There was a time when people would say, oh, well, I don't believe that. That's not the way anymore. Now they will take the Bible and, and, and argue the Scriptures with you to justify their own position. They'll twist it. One time, at least that wasn't the case. Now they're going to rewrite it. <laughs> the Bible does not say, no, no, this is what it says. Now you get that argument. So from people who know the Scriptures better than you and I, and they will make a case for pedophilia and homosexuality and homosexual marriage and uh, lesbian marriage and all the rest of it. Now they won't call it homosexual be gay. All the terminology is going to change just to, to, to dull it all down. Okay. Back to chapter 2, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living. How difficult it's going to be for Christians to pursue rightful living. Pursue faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. It's so important. In other words, don't neglect to meet together. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Align yourself with other people who love Jesus. If you want to stay faithful, if you want to stay fit, spiritually fit, align yourself with other people who love Jesus, who love God, who love the church, who love righteousness, who love the scriptures, who want to live 
according to God. People who want to die to themselves and live for God. Align yourself with those people if you want to succeed in your Christian life. You won't do it otherwise. We can be in the world, but we can't be of the world. And we do have to live in the world. And you know, know, God loves homosexuals. God loves pedophiles. Don't forget, God loves those people. And we better love them too. Difficult as it might be, so please don't, don't hear aggression towards, you know, people here. It's the lifestyles, it's the change that's coming, it's the, it's the ungodliness, it's the spirit that's behind what's coming at us that we need to fight against, that we need to pray against, that we need to be, and we need to be aware of these things. We've got to be aware of what's happening around about us. <clears throat> know your enemy. Know your enemy. If you don't know your enemy, you're not going to be able to stand against him. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. There are those who call on the Lord and they don't have pure hearts. You need to know what's of God. Christians can be misled too. Plenty of churches who are misled. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only starts fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Kindness doesn't mean sitting back and agreeing with unrighteousness and accepting sin. That's not kind. In fact, that's unkind. But we, we have to have a right spirit and a right heart when we're addressing these things. Servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. (laughs) That can be difficult, can't it? Be patient. I find it hard to be patient with myself sometimes. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. You know, you see those guys with the the placards and and it's just so ungodly and so disgusting. You know, God hates fags and all this kind of stuff. That's just, there's nothing Christian about that stuff. That's horrendous. It's absolutely ungodly and sinful. And these people proclaim to be Christians, but they're not Christians. And they're the kind of things that we need to be very careful about. That we don't join with the spirit that's behind that. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. Mm. Mm. Amen. Amen. You're not going to change anybody's heart if you're aggressive towards them, putting them down and cursing them and telling them that God hates them. Wow. And then they will come, verse 26, then they they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Chapter 3. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. This was Paul at that time. 
And they were going through a lot of stuff at that time, weren't they? Christians then. But Paul is still saying, in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Paul is about to die, but he's looking ahead to the age that we're living in, and, and possibly beyond. For people will love only themselves and their money. Wow, how true is that? How true is that? People will love themselves and their money. How many of us are there? <laughs> we need to be very careful. We need to make sure our money's working for us, that we're not working for money. Money's good. But the love of money is not good. We need money. Praise God for money. But the difficulty is that, you know, even in... in, in one of the things that I see is that um, the, the top percentage, the one or two percent, are collecting more and more and more and more money. They're in control of 80, 85 percent of the world's wealth at the moment, which means the other 80, 85 percent are living on the few percent that's left over. That's, and that's, that percentage is becoming smaller and smaller. We're really not going to have a middle class very, very soon. We used to have a, a kind of a, a lower tier, middle tier, and higher. The middle is now the superior because they can't take anything more off the, off, off the person on the bottom. They just have squeezed the life out of them. So now they're focusing on the middle class. And the middle class are, 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 are being crushed to death. People who are working hard and have uh, university educations and are really doing the best they can. And they're being put in positions now where they can hardly live. And that's with two wage packets coming into a house. When I was a kid, myself and my brother talked about it recently. He was home from Australia visiting for a while. And we talked about it. When we were kids and we were earning a few bob, it was worth something. My dad worked in a factory, but his wage packet was able to keep the house going. Never going to be millionaires. But his one wage was able to keep the household going. Was able to pay the bills, even able to pay the mortgage. Now we've got two wage packets coming into a house. They're, people are not able to survive. Their lives are about scrambling and struggling for money, 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 so that, so that people are pushed into a place where money becomes their God because they must have it. We have the banks and these uh, huge companies who have taken over all the, the, these loans from the banks are now beginning to move in on the middle class, the people who bought houses and now can't pay for them. And they're threatened to be on the streets now. That's the kind of thing we have gone on. It's such ungodliness. That's ungodliness. It's devilish. And it's because of greed. Yes. Greed, greed, greed. So we don't suffer yet being locked in prison, but there's, 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 there's such suffering going on behind closed doors. Suffering because of a lack, lack of finances. Verse 2. For people will love only themselves and their money, and they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred, 
I don't know about you, but when I look at these things, I see it all around me. I see it all around me. They're not talking about children not obeying their mom and dad. They're talking about uh, adults no longer honoring their mother and their father. They'll consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. Self-control? You must be joking. (laughs) You don't mention self-control to anybody. How dare you? How dare you infringe on my right to do and to be whatever I want? Self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. And we know that good is evil and evil is good now. It's becoming more so as we go along, isn't it? If you're aware, if you're alert. They will betray their friends, be reckless and puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Verse 5, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. They will act religious, but they will reject Jesus Christ, who is the only one who can empower us to live godly lives. Paul says, stay away from people like that. We, we live, and we have to live in this world, and, but we don't have to be partnered with, with ungodly people. The silent majority, the silent majority in our nation <clears throat> excuse me, are afraid to be heard. You know that? The silent majority are afraid to be heard because they're being intimidated uh, by people who are proclaiming to know better. The silent majority in our nation are very sensible and very sound people who know right from wrong. But they're silenced because they're taught to be foolish and ignorant and not knowing any better and because of abuse. If you speak out for what you believe, if it's in a Christian context, you, you will more than likely be called a fool and certainly not respected. So people just be quiet. <clears throat> and I understand that, but it shouldn't be that way. People are afraid to speak out. I want to go back to Romans chapter 1 for a minute. I know this is very sobering this morning. (laughs) 
there's not much clapping and shouting and laughing, and, but, you know, sometimes we just need to, to understand what's happening all around about us. You know, we can, we can still smile. We can still rejoice. Yes. In fact, we need to rejoice. We don't have to worry about these things. We don't have to be anxious about these things. But we just have to be aware of these things. We have to know, have some idea what's going on around about us. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. God is still God, isn't he? Yes. God is still on the throne. Yes. God is still in control. Amen? Just remember that as we go on. All right? You can get really morbid and depressed listening to this stuff. Let's hide under the rock. <laughs> hide under the rock. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Romans chapter 1. And verse uh, 28. Previously, he's talking about, uh, you know, men having a relationship with men and women having a relationship with women and so on. Verse 28 of Romans chapter 1. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. I wonder, I wonder how, how much has God abandoned this nation? When we see Palestinian flags flying uh, above our president's residence, I wonder when God sees that flag, what he's going to think of our nation. Our nation is heading down the tubes if we're going in that direction. We're going to oppose Israel. And we will pay the price. I think we're already paying the price. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, stabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. They invent new ways of sinning. For me, some of the things are, are extraordinary. They're certainly new ways to me, some of the things I'm becoming aware of. And they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them. Isaiah talked about these things. In Isaiah chapter 29, Isaiah said way back then, chapter 29 and verse 13, So the Lord says, These people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Nominal Christianity is not a threat. God is interested in hearts. God is not interested in just words. God is interested in hearts, isn't he? God is after your heart and my heart. He's after the heart of the nation. 
And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Because of this, I will once again astound these hypocrites with amazing wonders. The wisdom of the wise will pass away. The intelligence of the intelligent will disappear. The part that interests me is that they will honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Religious religion, it won't do it. It won't cut it. It won't cut it. And Jesus addressed this same subject in Matthew 15. He was talking to the religious people, uh, Jesus. And uh, he was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees and the teacher of the day uh, who had approached him. And he reminded them of what the prophet Isaiah had said then in, in, in Matthew chapter 15. And you can read earlier on to get the full, the full context there. But in verse 7, he says, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. He said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They, their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. And that's what we are up against. That's, that's the kind of society that is all about us. But we have something to offer the world. You know, Scripture says that, that you and I are the hope of the nations. Because you and I have something that other people don't have. Or do we? Are we just being religious or, or have we a genuine relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, that's going to sustain us in the midst of all that's happening, that we can be open and honest uh, and love people and vehemently disagree, but still love them, still embrace them, still tell them the truth about Jesus Christ? It's the only thing that's going to make a difference, isn't it? You and I ranting and becoming the same as them is not going to make any difference. We're joining the club. You and I have to be different. How are we going to be different? If you haven't encountered the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can't be different. Can't be different. It's not possible. To stand against what's coming is not possible. But in your own strength. But we don't have to fear and we don't have to worry. We just have to know what's happening around about us, to be aware of what's happening around about us. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, which I'm sure we're all familiar, when the Holy Spirit comes, you shall have power, power to be my witnesses. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, receive, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Praise God. Have you received that power? Uh, has God enabled you to be a living testimony? It doesn't mean that you have to go around that every, everything out of your mouth has to be about Jesus. But you have to be a living testimony. We, I, you and I. 
have to be a living testimony. And we know that happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when the Holy Spirit came with tongues of fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And being filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing thing in the Scriptures. It's not a once-off thing that happens. You know, we need God to fill us again and again and again, day after day, to, to, to ask Him to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we sink. We sink with the rest of the world. I want to read a little from Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And I want to read a few verses from, a couple of verses from, from verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. We need Holy Ghost boldness, don't we, these days. And we're going to need it more and more. Verse 30 says, Stretch out your hand with healing power and may, and may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We need to see the miracle-working power of God in our churches, don't we? We really do. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It's already happened in Acts chapter 2, hasn't it? It's happening here again. And then they preached the Word of God with boldness, we need to know how much we're loved. We need to know how much God loves us, how much God cares for us. And we need to be bold in our proclamation of his love for us and his love for the lost, don't we? But without the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we can't do that. Pray for holy boldness in your life. One Corinthians sixteen thirteen talks about courage. I'm just going to throw a few scriptures at you. We need to have courage in these days. Two Thessalonians chapter three and verse three says, "Be on guard and stand firm. Be on guard." All I'm doing is alerting you to some of the things that's going on this morning. Just be alert and be on your guard and stand firm. Be courageous. And be strong and do everything in love. I'm going to finish by reading Psalm, a couple of verses from Psalm 28. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but just, just take the references. Follow it up later if you're interested. Psalm 28. And I'm going to read from, from verse 7. The Sabbath said, The Lord is my strength and my shield. Amen? Can you say that? The Lord is my strength and my shield. <clears throat> We're not just reciting something. This is a fact. If you love Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, the Lord is your strength and your shield. That's number one. I trust him with all my heart. Amen? Do you trust him with all your heart? 
He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. Regardless of what's going on around us, we can have joy-filled hearts because we have a hope, haven't we? That, that, that takes us above all of the stuff that we see all around about us. We have a hope because of Christ. Amen? He says, I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Oh, I like that. It wasn't because things were easy. It was because he had the power of God within him. Verse 8 says, the Lord gives his people strength. Amen? He is a safe fortress for his anointed king. Praise God. So we want to be aware of all of the stuff, and that's only scratching the surface. But we want to know that the church is the hope of the nation. The church, you and I, and the church in general is the hope for the Irish nation. And we can make a difference. And we've got to put feet. You know, John was talking about the beautiful blisters. You know, we, we went out uh, the time of the referendum and we delivered about 10,000 uh, leaflets in through people's doors in, in Roscommon. Roscommon was the only county that didn't go along, that didn't vote yes in the referendum. So we can have an impact. I'm not saying that was the reason, but it certainly influenced a lot of people. Certainly part of it, as John says, yeah. <clears throat> so we can make a difference. You can make a difference. Sitting down with a cup of coffee with somebody, you can turn somebody's thinking around. You and I can do that because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, because we have a, a love and a passion for Jesus. Live a passionate life. I'm 70 shortly, and I hope the next few years that are, uh, that are more passionate than ever Amen. for Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't want to waste any years. It is better to pass boldly into the next life in the fullness of passion than to fade or wither dismally with age. Whoa, what a horrible way to go. Let's die fighting. Amen. Amen. <laughs> fighting the good fight. God bless you. Amen. Mm-hmm.